Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Welcome to another BritFlix.com podcast. My name's Stuart Wright, and today's guest, writer-director, Jared Johnson. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, we've come to talk about the what I'm calling the neo-Newcastle noir film, Muscle. Uh, it was a phrase I came up this morning while on Twitter. Um, and I was desperately trying to sort of, because Twitter forces you to sort of summarise stuff. And I was, and I was thinking, well, how, how can I describe the film? And I thought... And then I came up with this idea of our festering trauma in a broken marriage left unresolved. One vulnerable, self-loving man takes a leap into the unknown by joining an old-school weight training gym, the scariest type. Uh, he's groomed and isolated for everyone, and a mundane life is disrupted, and the trap is set. Beautiful description. Beautiful description. It's 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 that it's that that thing, isn't it, about the ordinary man just thrown into the extraordinary? That's uh, Beautifully done. Absolutely, yeah. And now that's and that's out. That's out now. We're Friday the fourth of December recording this. It'll be going live Saturday the fifth. But um, for for those listening, how can how can they get to see it? Yeah, so we've got so we're in cinemas. I mean, obviously the tier system has buggered us a little bit. You know, we've had, we had we had we had we had a few more cinemas, but obviously they're not they're not open. But um, cinemas in London. Um, around the we've got Liverpool, we've got Peterborough, we've got Reading. Also, it's on all of the streaming platforms: um, Curzon Home Cinema, BFI Player, Amazon Sky, um, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, also, the cinemas that were in, uh, you know, TF3, they're also going to do their own streaming. Um, you know, places like the Timeside and Home Manchester. So, yeah, you can you can more or less see it everywhere. So, this is an idea that was born in two thousand and two when you're spending time in gyms, right? I would say, yeah, early. Early two thousands, yeah, early two thousands, um, around about that time. So for the, so for just thinking of that notion for the layperson that's listening to this and thinking about how film gets made, obviously you're not working on this for eighteen years. So what is the gestation period and what is the evolution for you of that idea that you see two thousand and two and here we are now talking about muscle? How does it how does it move? How does it shift? Yeah, so. Well, it was. I, I I think I wrote something down, like a little uh, treatment, a two pager, 
to do with a personal trainer. Um, it was one of those ideas that I, I sort of had as this little personal trainer film and didn't do anything with it. Um, really, it was just it was just an idea. And then I did, I think it was Heine um, had come out and I met up with Matt Wilkinson, the producer, um, and he was... What have you got? Have you got any? Have you got anything I could see? Have you got anything? And I said, Well, there is this um, uh, personal trainer script. And I'd written, I remember I'd sat down, I think it was after the release of Tony, and I think I'd written like a, a, a an early first draft of it, about 50 pages uh, of this, um, you know, personal trainer uh, script. And so I showed him a treatment. And he loved it. And um, then I just sort of finished the script. You know, I I, I, I think wrote it in, the, in a, about six months, you know, just just finished that script that had, that had been sort of sitting at the bottom of the desk. Um, so, yeah, I didn't, even though it was a long, it was an idea I'd had for a long time, I I wasn't really working on it. It was just one of those ideas that um, that I had uh that that suddenly when someone shows a bit of interest in one of them you, that's the one that you go okay let's 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 concentrate on this now you know um but see, as i say since then obviously that world has blown up you know the the fitness world yeah this is i was listening to i was listening to an interview with you and i hadn't really cottoned on to like what you'd observed like in 15 years we've gone from you go to the gym to get fit to i can tell you what my GI index is on my dinner without blinking an eye. And that does it, that's perfectly reasonable now. Or I can look at food and go, oh my God, that's a lot of carbs. And I never would yeah. have thought that in my life. No, absolutely. It was, it was that thing with the, the first ideas and, and the dialogue's still in there of Terry said you can have good fats, bad fats. That then was, was, was quite unusual. You know, the fact that, that the good fats thing, you know, that was, that was quite, what we're we talking about good fats, you know what I mean? But, but now it's, it's, it's not that unusual for people to have a real understanding of nutrition. Everyone sort of does, you know, so it has, it has blown, it has blown up. So it's, it's in a way it's good timing um, for the film, but yeah. Well, I mean, I think your, your film captures the thing that, I mean, at the end of my road where I grew up, there was one of these gyms that you, that you take Simon to. I've never been in it in my life. I mean, I'm 48 years of age now, so I think I'll, I think it's safe to say I won't be owning it. But as a kid growing up, it just was this secret world. It was an old warehouse that had been converted into a into a weightlifters gym, and these men who looked like they were carrying carpet under their arms would walk in and out most hours of the day, and it just wasn't. And you'd like you didn't know where they lived. I don't. <laughs> I didn't. You didn't see them any other any other context than going in and out of that gym. And it's a it's a, it's a very closed world, isn't it? Yeah, I when when I I think it was in the nineties, I was going to a gym in Forest Gate called Wag Bennett's. It's a very it's a very famous London gym. It's not there anymore. It was um Wag Wag died and and um I think it was turned into flats or whatever. But um it, he was an incredibly famous guy in the world of bodybuilding because he was the guy that brought Arnold over to the UK and basically got Arnold to to win uh, Mr. Universe, so started Arnold on his on his journey to to worldwide success, and um, this gym was 
it's the most incredible gym. You, you, if you Google it, Wag Bennett's, and there's there's lots of images of it inside. So it was a it was a converted house, terrace house, and a, and a church next door. So they knocked the house through. So it was every every sort of little area in the house was was a weights room, and then you walked through to the gym next, uh, the church next door, which was a gym. So there was a church that was actually a a gym, and there was massive pictures of Arnold and Lou Ferrino and all those guys. And oh, it was, it was the most amazing gym I'd ever, ever experienced. You know, the, the, the shower was just a, a, a water pipe coming out of a, a, a wall, you know, that you just stood under. It was like freezing cold water that was never turned off. So you would, you would get a shower going there. And, it, you know, it was like 50 P to become a lifelong member um, you know, membership, and it was like a pound every time you went. And amazing, amazing place, and lots of characters. And um, I always wanted to do something there, you know, probably like a documentary or something. And unfortunately, it was it, it went in the end, and it, I was too late. But I'd never been so when I went up to newcastle to sort of scout and look for gyms i was looking for something that had that atmosphere of 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 wag bennett's and i found this gym called atlantis which had the same i mean it's smaller than wags but had a very similar feel you know the the real rusty spit and sawdust gym full of regulars um huge guys but actually when you get to know them they're they're hearts of gold you know and uh they're all more or less like social clubs um because obviously a lot of pubs is closing up and there's not a lot of places for for men uh who you know to get together and to chat about stuff and to sort of talk about their problems and everything and that's what i found in in this gym you know it was like a it was like um they were like social workers the the guys that ran the gym you know they would um, listen to people's problems, the relationship problems, everything, you know, work problems. And, and as well as lifting weights, they, you know, it would be like this center that, that, that people gravitate towards. <clears throat> and I think it was more to do with those type of gyms that gave me, I mean, obviously Terry is, is a nasty piece of work. I mean, he's a, he's a, he's a psychopath. Simon doesn't find those social workers in, no, in, in no, muscle T-shirts, does he? No, no it's, it's almost like that was what I was looking forward to shooting, but, but I made uh, Terry is based on other people who I've, I've sort of seen over the years or, 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 you know, come across over the years who have, you know, there's a combination of sort of doorman and, and also the, the gym types you get that, shout abuse at people when they're doing a um an exercise wrong not lifting weights in the correct way you know what i mean bending their back over and i remember there was a guy at an la fitness which was a, which was more of a lifestyle gym really they're not going anymore la fitness but um there was one in the west end that i used to go to and i remember a guy he was like a a laborer that used to go in there. I quite liked him. I, I, I used to chat to him in the sauna and stuff, but he would, he would sort of shout at people across the gym. And he, he didn't look unlike Craig, to be honest, he was quite similar. And I used to, I used to, I used to find him absolutely hilarious. You know, he would, he would sort of berate people for, uh, lifting their weights wrong. Um, which in one way he was, he was right. You know, it was it was 
kind of good stuff that he was telling people, but he, he had a very aggressive way of doing it. He wasn't a diplomat, you're saying? He wasn't a diplomat. So what he was saying was good, but I think half the people he... Um, he said it to. I don't think. I think they never came back to the gym again. <laughs> well, I was going to say, you say Craig, so that's Craig Fairbrass. He's playing Terry, the um, the sort of antagonist force in this film. Um, he he is um, he is his own little force of nature in terms of what he brings. Because in 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 some ways, there's there's dark humour at the heart of him in what's going on, without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, which is why you know what, what makes me think of your film in, in sort of noir terms. It's like life when you shit out of luck doesn't give you doesn't give you roses. It gives you Terry. You know, it's like <laughs> you know, and and while he can be friendly because he's not a psychopath on every level, he is only doing what's good for Terry, and the person the people he befriends will never know that until. It's way too late, and you've got Calvin Clerken playing Simon, who's looking for, I don't know, looking for hope, looking for self-belief. I mean, he's he's in a dead-end sales job where he's going nowhere, and he walks into this gym, and he is essentially all of us, and I'm and I, I'm probably mean myself more than you, if you've got the experience, where he walks in, he pays his money, and he's looking around, and he hasn't got a clue, and then this life raft comes along called Terry who makes him feel like he belongs. But Terry doesn't see a man he's helping. He sees a man who he can groom, as I said in the opening. And that's it's a fantastic little shift, the way that it works. I mean, there's a there's a wonderful... I don't, I don't want to get into spoilers or anything, but just little details that I wanted just to pick up with you was like, there's a scene where he's eating an ice pot, watching him. I mean, that was such a beautiful choice of image because it is hilarious and absurd... But it's still menacing, Jared. How did you get? And it's like, well, it, well, it was that thing of um, having the idea of, of of them sitting there, but with mini milks. You know, the mini milk ice cream. So that so there are a bit of calcium in there. So so in a way, it's there. <laughs> it's like uh, it's not exactly a protein shake, but it's um, you know they 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 they'd have mini milks because you know ice got milk in it. So it was that little, uh, it was the absurdity of them to, you know, sitting there and uh, sucking on their, on their mini milks watching a bodybuilding competition just tickled me. I think, I think that was it. I, I wanted to, in a way, get back to the, the black humour of Tony. You know, um, Hyena, obviously, there wasn't much humour in there and, and there shouldn't have been, you know. It was too much of a too much of a, t- a tough story to, to put in a load of humour. So I wanted something, even though it's, you know, it's an oppressive atmosphere muscle and it, and it should draw you in. I also, I, I felt that it was, um, you know, those two, I felt they were almost uh, like a double act uh, in a way, uh, you know, like um, really, it, when I was working on it, it sort of put me in mind a little bit of, um, the likely lads sometimes, you know, um, but obviously, yeah, he has very different. Um, he has an ulterior motive, um, Terry. You know, he's not he's not to be trusted, and as you say, he's grooming uh, Simon along the way. What What do you think, Craig Ferras brought to the character that on the page you couldn't have imagined? You know, once the camera starts rolling, what did he do to the character that you're like, yes, this is why I wanted Craig. Like I knew him a little bit, Craig. Um, 
and had been in his company a few times and found him incredibly funny. And I thought that was that was something that I'd not not really seen so much on screen. Uh, uh, how funny he is as as a person, and how good he is at um, you know at comedy. I think, um, but also the physicality was so important. And and thinking about someone of uh, who has that presence and physicality, who could really. You know, as soon as you saw him, you you knew you knew you believed this guy. You believed what he was saying to Simon. You know what he what his opening line of you know fuck fit. You want to get strong. You had to believe that from someone, and he had that that way about him. And, and as I say, when we were shooting up in Newcastle, I mean, oh my god, in the gym he was like a, a hero to these guys. You know, he was coming in the gym. There's all these huge guys on steroids, and they're like. Oh my God! They're like, <laughs> they're like you know all around him. So it was just interesting that he did have that the command the command of the place, even though he'd never been to this gym before, because they were all massive fans of you know the Foot Soldier films and and and, and the rest. So we fit we slotted in very well there, and I, I had spent a lot of time. Um, obviously, whatever I did, I spent a lot of time in the location and with a lot of the gym guys way before we sh we shot the film so that they love me they love craig they love cav and that's kind of it, 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 it it's the best way to work i think um because i wanted to use a lot of those real guys in it you know so so it's about so making so making the film a success was about the relationships not just the location absolutely yeah 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 i mean location's one thing but i, I mean i i like to use a a, a a mixture as well of, of, of professionals and, 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 you know, non-actors, people that have uh, maybe, maybe never acted before. And to do that, obviously there's, you know, the, the trust thing is, is the most important and building relationships. And the, and the important, an important thing about, well, important thing, important thing for me as a, as an audience member is that you're obviously utilizing the built environment. This, this, this is a real gym. This is the real streets of Newcastle. This is a real semi-detached house. You know, that's something that you see, like, I guess the biggest name I can think of that, that that uses that, likes to use reality, is someone like Michael Mann, you know. It's like, use the built environment as your palette and yeah. then build your drama out of that. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, when you've got those, A, not only amazing locations, but amazing people, you know, up in Newcastle, there's some amazing people, amazing characters, amazing faces. It seems a shame then to 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 bring in you know a lot of films will then bring in a load of people that have nothing to do with the oh they, they'll be good there they'll be good there they'll be good. no but to to not only utilize it but actually a lot of these guys you know let's give them let's give them the, their moment you know and it's about working and seeing who's up for it and then it, for me it's it just creates a a truth there you know. Mm. Um, that's important. And I always find the best stuff is the mixture of those two worlds. You know, you've got the professional world and then you've got also that fly on the wall documentary world. And they, and they kind of collide. Yeah. Cause yeah. Cause when we're watching something, there are obviously recognizable faces of which obviously Craig is definitely one of them. But when you, when you're watching something and you don't recognize everybody, because I mean, if you watch enough films, there are actors that you can spot if you watch enough films. But obviously, watching Muscle, you're not you're not being distracted by where I've seen these before. You're just like these are part of this world, and and there is a kind of grungy reality 
to certainly some of like you know the the party scenes at Captain, at um, Simon's house, you know, I felt like had he'd been invaded. I didn't feel like you'd set a cast in a room. Yeah, that's that was that was the idea of like it's um he'd gone you know he'd he'd gone to another place now. It was like Sodom and Gomorrah in a way that it it gone to. Uh, it'd been pulled so far the other way, and it was this. There was this house that once had a lot of um, positive energy in it. You know, it was a, a relationship where they they moved up to Newcastle to maybe start a family, and everything was going well. And then suddenly, it being what, what I mean, what's the worst thing you could imagine that that could happen in your house is probably a swingers party with thirty swingers. To be honest, yeah. Well, I mean, there's, there's, I mean. The, the 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 score considerations. I mean, I, 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 working with your brother Matt Matt Johnson. For anyone who doesn't know uh, from the band, they're there. The the orgy scene is amazing in the sense that the 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 film score choices you've made almost like suck the joy out of out of the sex that's going on. Like it's a it's kind of a, an intense joylessness if you can be that, and and it's the blur of that noise whirring around. And we're obviously in size Ed, <laughs> to me anyway. I don't know whether that was yeah. whether no, that was yeah. your thinking, yeah. and that puts the yeah. so then that puts the audience in the position of not so much what the fucking hell's going on. It's like, will this ever end? Yeah, yeah. And I wanted that to feel like that, you know, like it's like a void, like it's it's going into into this into this unknown void, you know. That it, but it's a feel very hypnotic. Um. And just like for, for to shock us and to you know obviously to shock Simon. So I, I feel um, yeah, it was really pivotal that uh, that scene, and and it was about trying to get it as just trying to get it right, you know. And again, that's where that all pays off because it's um it's not about you can't fake something like that. You can't fake a, a party like that. Um, it's just it just can't because you know a you'd have a nightmare trying to get uh, people to want to do anything, and um, you know as well you know that's not their job as actors. But so. you but you lead but you lead the audience along there because obviously it's not the first sort of big party scene. So you've kind of set, no. you've set our expectations as to how ma- maniacal these people are, and then you've gone. You think they're mad? Get a load of this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was um, it was a great thing to shoot. Actually, it was very intense. Um, and uh, yeah, just 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 quite just it, it it went like Lord of the Flies, you know. Once one person started to go, they all they all started to go, and it was very very. I mean, that shoot, shooting that kind of thing, and obviously you're in a real house. You're not in a studio, are you? So you don't have the benefit of taking walls down and stuff. So how do you, how do you as a production how do you coordinate that without getting in the way of what is you know a, a right royal rump? Yeah, well this this was it. I mean, we it was the I the thing that I and and it was something that I from a very early stage in production I said right. There's these two parties that are pivotal to the film, and with that in mind, we need you know the whole day to do to do both of them you know we need one party to to be a whole day and we need to you know because films especially low budget films you know you've got amount of days and you're you you know got to fit this in fit this in fit this in but it was it was i made sure that i had 
all the time and to run them as real parties. So I ran the first one, which was which was more or less a, a bit of a naughty house party. That was the first day. Uh, I think that was on a Saturday, actually, and that, that went for a, as long as a house party goes on for. Um, and then whoever was left from that one joined the next party where we brought a, a coach load of swingers in uh, from, a, from, a, from a well-known swingers club just outside of Newcastle. And then we run that as a, uh, as a second party. And then it was just me and the cameraman. I mean, we didn't even really need to need a sound guy because obviously I knew that we were probably going to have my brother's score over it or whatever. I think we did have some sound in there. We did have, yeah, we did have sound. Um, and just because, you know, we were going, because they were running for so many hours, people didn't take any notice of us in the end you know anyone that was had any inhibitions it was funny there was there were people that weren't actually swingers that were getting involved which was really strange i said it was like lord of the flies there was a bunch <laughs> of it was very strange and um yeah it was very intense uh, obviously a lot of there was no one from the crew were really allowed in it was all blocked off we had no monitors on there was the, the windows were blacked out so it was it was just those that were in it in the in in the very hot sticky house uh, that we were filming all this you know but amazing it was tricky actually when we got into the edit um because we had hours and hours of footage to try and you know, get it into some coherent state. But uh, yeah, I'm very pleased. I remember, um, not quite as obviously as as, as complicated, but I remember uh, Ben Wheatley talking about the dinner party scene in Kill List, and it was a five hour shoot. I mean, he just said to the actors, "Be at a dinner party. We'll edit it down." But this is the general gist of the conversation. In that instance, it was this is the general gist of the conversation. Just make sure you cover these points. And but it was a five-hour shoot where they then got it down to whatever it was on five minutes screen time or whatever. Yeah, it was a similar thing with um, you know I don't want to give any spoilers, but where Terry and his friends are downstairs in the uh, in the house, you know, and, and Simon's upstairs. We did a similar similar thing with that. We're just you know guys coming back after being at the pub a bit charged up, you know, and uh, and let it we let it we let it sort of um, escalate. And we had two cameras. We had a camera upstairs with uh, Simon and we had simultaneously, we had one downstairs. So <laughs> he was reacting to exactly what was going on downstairs. But I think, you know, because there's a lot of times when you have to be very quick on stuff and it depends. You have to work out what you can do really quickly and what stuff needs to be taking its time over, you know. Well, that's a good segue for me because you, 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 you obviously... Um, well, not obviously at all, because we're, talk we're talking to maybe a lot of people who haven't seen it. But but in the in the film, um, Cavan's character Simon, obviously joining the gym, goes through a transformation. Now in film time, that's easy because you go cut from he's a bit chubby to his his stomach's coming a bit and his chest is out. But obviously that takes time. So I imagine Ed and Co. When you said to them, right, we're going to have to take a twelve week break to uh, <laughs> to buff up the leading man. Um, how does that work as a film schedule? Yeah, so so again, this was this was vital. You know, it's the, it's those things that you right from the very off you say right, this is happening. So there's no there's no surprises later on. So it was vital 
I said, okay, I want to, you know, I want to really do it where we, we, we stop shooting and the actor transforms and then we come back. And it was obviously on, on this kind of budget, it was, um, an experiment because Cav had done quite a bit of sort of uh, running, like marathons and stuff, but he'd never been to the gym. He'd never, never worked out with weights. So we didn't know how, how, that, how he was going to, you know, how his body was going to react to lifting weights. So, and also we had to watch be very careful if he if he picked up an injury because then so so we we basically gave ourselves three months for him to transform his body um he got a personal trainer a guy called serbo um and who also worked out his diet you know he's eating like six meals a day and training every single day and you know so we so we shot for like two weeks and then we broke for three months and then shot the rest of the film. And, but, but, you know, it's, it's funny because a lot of actors, I mean, Kev was like, this sounds amazing. Um, jumped at it, but a lot of actors would, would sort of be very terrified and, and scared of this sort of commitment, you know, but Kev saw it as an amazing opportunity. And I think if you look at it, it's, two different actors there are two different actors in that film there's there's the, the cav at the first like half an hour and then there's the different it, it's a total transformation so i was incredibly happy with um how he managed to change his body um and it was and for him also even uh you know for, for what it for what it meant for him as a, his character and also for him uh, himself was the transformation, but him starting the film, not knowing what to do in the gym after three months of going to a gym, coming back to that same gym, he knew his way around, you know, he knew, he knew the weights, he knew how to lift. He knew, you know, it was, it was amazing to see. So that journey was there. It was there on, on screen. So it was a, yeah, quite a unique thing. Did it, did it out of interest? Did it know? In, in, and obviously the character, this, 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 this may, this, this, strengthened male ego comes out was cav invigorated himself oh yeah he, he he's a he said it's changed his life he goes to the gym all the time now no way yeah 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 he said it's a part of his um i mean he said it in an interview the other way he said it's a part of his life now that he he absolutely loves i mean he's not he's not kept up to that size because obviously he was having like six meals a day and you know training intensely to get the bulk on but um, yeah, he he loves the gym now. He goes all the time. So that's it's it's lovely that this film uh, can can have you know can at the end of it someone someone it's it's changed their life in 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 one way. You know what I mean? You'll have to put an ad, you'll have to put an exactly. advert in uh, on on in stage saying I will get you I'll get you back in shape. Work with me and work with me and I'll change your life. <laughs> one of the things that. Um, as well as the gym being sort of uber real, one of the things I thought that you captured really well is someone that's that's worked in the odd office or two and worked in... I mean, I've worked in a place on the arse end of Salford where the idea of a bonus was the boss went and got you a McDonald's Happy Meal on a Friday. And you were, and you were, and you were meant to feel like you, got, you were being rewarded for a day's work, for a week's work. 
Um, and I thought that you captured that idea that this is, there's, there's people all up and down this country who are in jobs where there is, there is really no upside to what you're doing. Because if you're good at it, you're basically ripping somebody off. And if you're bad at it, you're getting it in the neck from somebody who doesn't give a shit about you. It's a really ha it's a it's sort of a thankless existence, tip you know. But and, but I thought with what is very little information you're giving us on screen, I thought there's a there's a whole lot we're learning about, like almost like the gym's one underbelly of Britain, isn't it? And then in this office, you're saying here's another reality of Britain as well. Yes, absolutely. And it's funny because it's two ideas for two separate films that that join together for me. So I I did that job. Um, I did telesales a, a few times, and um, I sold that actual product that's that's in the in the film. That the, the pitches that they used was the product. It was like makeovers for uh, women. Um, so I sold that, and uh, I got in touch with my old boss actually, and he was very helpful. We we met up, Cav and and the boys met up with him, and we we talked about stuff. And I tried to replicate the. Um, the office exactly you know they used to have the bell that you rang when you got a sale and stuff and i did it a, a few times and yeah again like i was good at it and you burn out very quickly you know i think i did it for like eight months one time and then i did it for like i don't know similar sort of time again but you you, you sort of do it you make you make quite a bit of money but then you 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 totally burn out very quickly you know you can't you can't bear it anymore and you you want to do what what simon does in the office you know <laughs> it's just like um so yeah it came from me working in telesales and do it and selling that product and i was like you know what there's a there's a film here i know there's we've seen like glengarry glen ross and boiler room and stuff but never from a, a british uh, perspective and also we're not talking about tons of money or we're talking about, you know, ripping people off, really. This is this is real workhouses, isn't it, in a sense? Because they Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. And 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 it's funny because I, I wanted to I use the old toffee factory, which is in um Osburn in, in Newcastle, which was an old toffee factory, which is now offices, lifestyle offices. And I wanted to get the point across that, yeah, it's 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 now offices but that's still a factory you know it's still a, it's still a factory and even though they're you know they're having cappuccinos at lunchtime um what they're doing once they're in that that door is 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 oh it's so stressful and it's it's just relentless yeah um and yeah we 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 filmed a lot of stuff i mean i got those guys uh kevin was sort of on call after call after call after call. And I would get actors in London to um, call him up and give him a hard time, you know, just because I, I just remember it was, you know, if you had a good week, you would go out and celebrate on a Friday. But if you didn't have a good week, you were coming in on Saturday to try and get that bonus. And if you didn't get it on Saturday, you were coming in on Sunday to try and get you over that bonus. You would get maybe get it Sunday afternoon go back, that was your weekend. You would get up Monday morning and start all over again, you know? Horrendous. Because if you didn't get that bonus, you weren't getting paid. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I, I, yeah, I remember because mine was, I'd been brought in as a like an administrator, but because I was a gobshite, they thought I could sell. And there's a difference between being able to talk a lot and being able to sell. It's a completely different skill. Yeah, it's weird. And also, it, it, the, the psychology of it is 
weird. You know, if you if you're having any problems at home or at a at a, at a you feel you're pitching the same, but you're not getting any sales. You know, it's so it's there's a there's a slight difference from your pitch, and you're not even no you're you're like thinking, hold on, I'm doing exactly the same pitch here. I'm not getting any sales whatsoever, and suddenly you know you're in a you're in a, you're in a, you're, you're, you're you're having a good week. You can't help keep selling. It's a very very clever. A um, lot of psychology goes on in, in that world, you know, and I wanted to sort of tap into it a little bit, um, just where he feels confident he's suddenly smashing all the sales and everything else. But it doesn't last for very long. Um, yeah, there is, no, there, is no, there is no magic bullet to any of it, is it? There is no magic in the end. But I think that there's, it's, 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 an under, it's an undervalued part of, of drama, I think, sometimes, is capturing true mundanity and it doesn't you, you can't it's, it's hard to sell mundanity but actually it's a reality that grips characters isn't it because that's what they're faced with and then you can understand because if you'd have shot that in a state-of-the-art office with like you know with football tables and stuff it wouldn't have looked right would it no exactly exactly i needed to i needed to create exactly the environment that i worked in um and we did a good job, actually. It reminded me very much. And I had to, I sort of picked all of the other people on the the desks and and gave them there. And everyone was pitching. Everyone was on the phones, and everyone was pitching because I wanted, you know. And we we spent a lot of days in in that office, even though it's a small amount of it in film. We spent a good chunk of time in there, you know, getting that sales environment right. And when actually Simon, without any spoilers, when Simon does his thing in there, you know, when he when he sort of uh, no one else knew that was going to happen, um, so they were all a little, all a little bit taken, <laughs> taken aback. Now you, you you shot a sequence on. Um, I've been working with a Newcastle producer up in uh, called Pinball Films, a guy called Ashley Horner, and um, and I met up with him like well, I think it was last but one time I went up to Newcastle, and on our way back from set from the Sage Building. We crossed the um, the high level bridge, and I'd never been on it before. And I'm like, "This is pure cinema." And then I watch your film, and you and you've you've used it. You've used that that iron, <laughs> that iron bridge. It's like it's it's like what it's like it's like instant third man. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's beautiful. I love it. Yeah, I love it. I love Newcastle. Um, I'd kind of. I, it's weird, like. We were, we, were, we were going to shoot this film in about 2015. We had the money. We were ready to go. And I got, an Amer- I got offered an American film, which was um, big budget or bigger budget. Um, it was an opportunity that I, sort of, I needed to take it. And I spent two and a half years on that and um, ended up leaving it, which is what happens with normally Amer- American things. So then we picked up again, but from from those early days in Newcastle, I went and I I knew I, I I felt that muscle was a story that, even though it involved Londoners or two Londoners, you know, uh, Simon has moved out from London to somewhere else to another city. Terry is an enigma who moves around from city to city to city, but I wanted a northern town. Um, to film it, uh, to set it in. A lot to do with the old kitchen sink um, British New Wave, you know, that I was very, that was so influential to me when I was thinking about muscle, you know, taste of honey and this sporting life. And I looked, I went to Newcastle and I 
fell in love with it. You know, I just felt it was had such a lovely atmosphere to it. And also the buildings and the structures and everything. And the fact that it's been underused in film. I mean, you've got Get Carter, obviously. Uh, things like Stormy Monday, but it's not really been utilised in the way of other big cities. A lot of the time it's used as uh, a nondescript city, you know, to, uh, oh, they'll film it. It's like, a bit like Birmingham. They'll say it's somewhere, you know, not necessarily where it is. So, yeah, I, I thought, God, there's so much. And it's lovely because I'm from London and my films are very London-centric, you know, all locations. It was lovely to actually go and spend a lot of time in another city and have all these fresh locations. And I made sure that I spent a lot of time there and it wasn't just using stock footage. I mean, obviously the bridge is, is quite a well-known structure, but again, you've got a bit on Get Carter where he chases after the girl across it, but I think you don't really see it that often. Um, so yeah, very exciting to, to work in a, in a different city, you know, and have all these buildings where you're just like, oh, look at this. I've got to use this. I've got to use this. So in that, in that sense then, when, from, from the script you've written to the location you're shooting in, how flexible are you then in terms of what you get to, where you get to set scenes? Yeah. I mean, the, the script I needed, I needed a spit and sawdust gym. And I, I, I also said in the script that it was sort of Barrett home estate, you know, a very sort of nondescript housing estate. And then I didn't really make reference to anything else much in the script. Um, so it was all about finding that city, you know, finding the right city that, and then, as I say, I fell in love with it. I always had a soft spot for uh, Geordie's and I think I was a massive Alf Wiedersang pet fan. Um, and likely lads as well, which I, I sort of put him and Simon and Ronnie's little relationship is a bit like Terry and Bob, you know. They put in the world to rights in their in the local. Yeah, park. I mean and that's I mean that's an interesting part of that sort of odd couple that you've created because because Simon's growing as a character, yet Terry's consistently awful to him. And if he's not awful to him, he's exploiting him. So it's equates to the same thing. And Simon's not stupid. That's not, that doesn't that's not you know he's clear he's clear from the opening for this opening parts of the film he's a, he's a thoughtful man, but he is naive and it's an interesting it's an interesting contrast isn't it the idea of being intelligent but naive yeah because he's because he's very sharp on doing his sales you know you have to be he's hoodwinking people left right and center and he can't actually see it being done to him but I think it's more to do with the fact that he feels. Like he really wants to be accepted into this big boys club, you know, that it's a world that he's a clandestine world that he's never, he's never been sort of a part of before. And I think there's something driving and also his relationship's not going too well. I think he, he's, he's sort of so he's reaching out for some higher level of uh, excitement that he's not getting anymore. And I think any, anything, any slight, recognition I, hey mate i can help you you know you, you i mean the fact that terry says you've got potential and he actually buys it i mean it's you know it's not like he's going line. in there and he looks lovely it looks like arnold schwarzenegger he's um you know he buys it and he feels a part of and and in a way he does become a part of that world well he's up well he's isolated by circumstances isn't he, in a sense because and that's part of the beautiful setup of having him Having him and his missus having relocated from the southeast in Newcastle, when things start going wrong, he doesn't have the infrastructure 
that he's grown up with. He's got anyone he's met, and all that is 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 Oppo, who he works with, and then subsequently Terry. So that's his that's his network. And obviously, in Britain, when you buy a house, that mortgage means doesn't get, unless you you're the kind of person that can afford multiple homes, you're stuck where you're living. <laughs> Until you until you sell it, kind of thing, and and because because for anyone listening not from Britain, obviously Britain's a small country, but it's still you can still be trapped even in a small country that's like you know three hours train drive from London. So they could you know he could have he could have pissed off easy, couldn't he? Really, in a way, physically speaking. Yeah, yeah, he's uh, he's lost in a, in a, in a way. The one question I haven't asked, and I, I wanted to just have a chat about the film without going up front, is obviously this is this is a black and white film. Um, that's uh, stylistic, which stylistically lends itself to the to, to my the, the, what I'm putting on it as a as a noir fan seeing seeing it happen. It works beautifully, and 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 in a way, it, 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 the light and dark of black and white give you that lovely contrast of your of your story as well. Um, but but what 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 were your were your was it was it about was there was there a lot of artistic reasons for black and white, or was that was was there a was did it give you did black and white give you that speed that, that color wouldn't have afforded you? Yeah, no, I, I think it was. Yeah, it was two things. It was um, I was looking at a lot of photography and a lot of boxing boxing photography over the years and gyms. I mean, mainly a lot of the great photography is 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 boxing gyms and stuff, and mostly black and white. And um, then it was as a, as a said about earlier it was the the british new wave stuff um of the 60s you know the tony richardson and carol reese stuff um the the taste of honeys and and um the this sporting life and there was something i could only picture it when i was thinking about the gyms and thinking about this world i just pictured it in black and white and when we went up and we were doing reckies with the dop and stuff i was like i just really want to see even the photos of the gyms i just want to see them in black and white so it was a very early on it just uh lent itself to to for, for me just thinking i cannot see this world in color i just can't you know and i think it yeah i think it works really well i mean obviously when we tried to get it made the first time we had a lot of pushback from from um there's a lot of people were like well your black and white film no 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 you won't be able to sell it to tv da, 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 da. and since then obviously you've had bait and lighthouse and roma and you know black and white i mean and manx just being released at the same site today with with muscle it's like black and white doesn't ever go anywhere you know what i mean it's 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 kind of naive to think that if this if the story lends itself to being black and white, then there's there's no problem there. And actually, the film was fully financed by France uh, in the end. So we we had a, a few sort of uh, lukewarm responses from UK financiers. So we went to France, who embraced the idea of it being in black and white, loved it, and um, and which I. I I like the fact that it's um, a film very much about England, very much about post-Brexit England in a way, and it's fully financed by France. There's a beautiful <laughs> irony there, Jared. A beautiful irony. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, but but I think I mean I as as a as a fan as a fan of 
as a fan of film, it's like black and white is a is a way of of making you pay attention because because of the dark and light, you're obviously with your cinematographer, you can make better, you can make more accurate choices about what you want us to see that color doesn't always afford you. Uh, absolutely, and we designed it. I mean, Stuart Bentley did an amazing job, uh, the DOP, but also uh, the production design everything was designed for black and white you know the 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 wallpaper on the walls in the in the house you know what all all of their uh you know the wardrobe department all of their outfits so it was you know there's a lot goes in to to making it look as as good in black and white um but obviously it was i mean it's the thing with the alexa it's it was actually shot in color um that i've never seen it but it's actually, you know, they it's actually, it is actually shot in colour. So there is a co- there is a colour version, but I never want to see it because it would look terrible. I'm, I'm going to have to make you guess at something here because I've made a note to myself and I'm and I'm and I'm lost as to exactly when it happens. But I've I've wrote close up on the eye of a tear, which it just really got me when. Um... Yes, yeah, I'm glad you saw that. Yeah, it's a beautiful, beautiful moment, and I always, always, I always. Um worry a little bit that if people are watching it on laptops or um you know mobile phones or whatever that they might not pick up on that that beautiful shot because um obviously it's pretty big on the on a on a cinema screen but yeah it's a lovely little moment that well i mean talk to, to, just from a film point of view because that's really about the language of cinema and i think often we forget that that film is about moments not just about story obviously what what what's going on you know in his life and everything else is just capturing that the, the beauty of that, you know, and that wasn't scripted, obviously. That was, um, that came, you know, from Cav. It was a totally a natural thing. And that's, that's what's great as well about long takes, you know, it's capturing those moments that if you, you know, if you, if you cut too early, you'll never get those, those beautiful little moments. And it's about letting someone really feel uh, their character and be their character. And, um, yeah, there's little bits of magic like that, but yeah, I was really, um, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a very fleeting little moment, but it's nice you picked up on it because it's, it's totally where he is in the whole film. Cause they're the bits where the film's asking you to just have a rest with it and just let, let the moment happen because, because editing can be a lot about transition and moving from point to point to point, and you can lose yourself trying to keep up. But really, we're on an emotional journey with with Simon, as much as we're on a kind of thriller where you know, will he or won't he? Will they or won't they? Is this bad or is this good? But actually, he's he's a person, isn't he? You've created you've created this 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 fictional human, and 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 I think Cav Cav is, uh, well, if, if that wasn't scripted, that's a that's a, a it makes it even more special then. Yeah, it wasn't scripted. Um, it was just, um, yeah. I think it, I think in the script it was, you know, they were downstairs and he was upstairs. You know, it was hellish or whatever. I can't remember what I wrote, but um, it, it wasn't. It wasn't. I mean, maybe it may have been. He had tears in his eyes, but I don't think it was. I don't. I think that 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 just came out. But I think it's like it's a bit like the ice pop scene I was talking about earlier. It's like. What we're seeing with our eyes and what it's making us think of what's going on at the same time is the magic. Is what happens when films are arresting you because you're getting a sensory overload, but you're believing it at the same time. And again, that's you know, as I said before, that the way I work with lots of um, 
lots of long takes where, you know, people are like, is he ever going to cut? <laughs> you know, and that's day one. Everyone's a little bit like, well, hold on. But by, by the end of it, you, you get into an area where, yeah, these little magical ha moments happen, you know, and uh, they're not scripted and it's just, yeah, just uh, as I said before, a truth, a truthfulness. I've took up enough of your time talking about this film. I could talk about it for a lot longer, but let's remind people then. So Muscle is out today, Friday, 4th of December in selected cinemas and on, on Curzon and BFI VOD platforms and others. Um, it just gives me to say thank you very much, Jared Johnson, for coming on the Britflix podcast. Thanks very much, Stuart. Lovely to speak to you. Indeed. Cheers, mate. Let's do it. We'll, we'll do it again for Tony. Hey y'all, Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. Oh, yeah.